Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is a proud production of ITM Media. Good day to everyone out there again this week on Rambling About Racing, episode 109. Matt Beamer here alongside Preston Lude, who's joining us via Zoom today, but here nonetheless. Preston, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going great. Uh, yeah, it's joining everybody via Zoom today. I, <laughs> as I told everybody last week, I was going to be there, and well, life throws curveballs at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that just happens from time to time, man. You're you have to take care of what you have to at home, but that's quite all right. You are here nonetheless. How's life, man? How's we had a fun week last week with Charlie, who is currently in drill sergeant school there at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. He seems to be doing well there, adapting well. He was a bit nervous going there, but who wouldn't be going right. to a school like that? But it seems everything's going well just for him right there. If anybody's just curious about that, if he's listening, I hope he's doing well. Hope to have him here back on the show shortly because it was a lot of fun having him here. And I'm sure he would have had a great time racing there at South Alabama Speedway in the final couple of races there, but that's neither here or there. He's there. He's doing well, adapting well, and he's going to be joining us and uh, my family for Thanksgiving here in November. So at least he's got a place and a good meal coming up here in November. But Preston, how's it going, man? Everything is going well. Just, uh, you know, living life here and there, doing doing what I got to do. It was, it was a lot of fun having Charlie... Everybody there in the studio last week, that, that was a lot of fun. I always enjoy those episodes. Yeah, the, when Charlie's in studio or any, any chance in the show, it's always fun to just kind of poke the bear in the eye. It's it's not necessarily a bad thing to do that to Charlie, but it's always fun getting his reaction, like saying Chase Elliott's a golden child, and he's like, no way, no way. <laughs> it's always fun yeah. poking the bear in the eye, more so him than you. I mean, it's easy. It's not really tough to get you riled up for certain things, but mention Chase Elliott and now rouse some people up. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely will. But uh, how are you doing, man? Everything, everything's going well over there? Yeah, everything's on track for the baby. We got the nursery pretty much set up from the uh, baby shower we had last week. And uh, we're just uh, counting down the weeks, man. We're so excited over here. Caroline's still working for the most part, but I'm thinking here shortly she's going to start slowing it down and taking care of herself and taking care of Little baby Maury, who's coming into the world in uh, February. And by the way, we still have a Daytona 500 ticket we're trying to get rid of, which has proved tougher than anticipated 
to get rid of that Daytona 500 ticket, but it's okay. You know, I mean, if you don't want it, I mean, it's a free Daytona 500 ticket. And I think the downside is it's just one ticket. Yeah. And they say, and people say, I don't want to go to a race alone. It's like, well, I do all the time and I have a great time. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with going to a race alone. Then you can just make new friends. Yeah. You make new friends and, you just do your thing. Unfortunately, not a lot of people feel like that. Not a lot of people feel like, oh, I should go to a race alone. But that's it's okay if you want to go to a race alone. It's a Daytona 500 ticket. Just buy another ticket. Right. <laughs> and you, you're getting one half off pretty much a whole week and a half off and to, to what I see. But we still got that Daytona 500 ticket. But again, all is well here, man. Just wish you were here in studio. It's a lot more fun when you're here. But I understand why you're not. But I appreciate yeah, you being I'll on def- the show. I'll definitely be there next week. <laughs> I- I'll believe it when I see it, Preston. <laughs> I believe it when I see it. But I uh, just wanted to do, do, do another quick shout-out to the guys at Blind Spotting NASCAR Podcast. I was on their episode with Travis and Mike, and we had a great time, great discussion, great talks, and it, the episode is doing really well. And he, Mike contributes that, that to me. But the numbers don't reflect on my end that <laughs> I think they just have a great show. They really do have a great right. show. And me being on it wasn't necessarily a, you know, I don't think it changed to the norm. Well, it was in a way, but it wasn't. But their their numbers are doing great. So I wanted to give another shout out to them. Thank them for being on the show. They're going to be on the show here later, probably in like when you have your surgery here in uh, November, December time frame. That's when mm-hmm. they're going to probably be on the show for a little bit and we'll just get to know them a little bit more because I know them. I've seen them a couple of times at Darlington and Martin, uh, not Martinsville, but I'm going to see them at Martinsville and Bristol. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, Martinsville's coming up. Yeah. Martinsville's coming up and, uh, hopefully, uh, get credentials here, get my credentials approved to take photos at that race as well. My first, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. My, uh, my first experience at Martinsville would be inside Martinsville, which would be a lot of fun. Vice, just kind of watching it as a fan, I just do what I normally do and just be able to go anywhere I want. So, it's true. But that's that's still pending right now, but I think it will go off hitch. But I'm glad everything's going well. Hope everything's going well out there for everyone listening to the show, whether you're on your regular podcast platform, the Unhinged Sports Network Radio. So thanks again to Unhinged and Belly Up for letting us be affiliated with them. It's a great affiliation and not just NASCAR racing podcast, but a lot of different podcasts out there Ball and stick sports, let's say that. Not a bad thing. <laughs> and hockey season starting up, so a lot of hockey podcasts are back up there. Oh, yeah. And, and the, you know, can't, you can't beat hockey. It, it's tough to beat yeah. hockey. Let's just say here in the next few weeks, I'm going to be devoting more of my time to hockey than I am anything else. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But, uh, man, we had an interesting weekend of racing here. We had just NASCAR on from Texas, the Xfinity and the Cup race, and when, when watching the race, I don't know about you, but I saw just not necessarily the best race. And a lot of people were critical of Texas. And we're gonna, this is kind of a two-part thing I want to throw at you, Preston. First thing first, do you think Texas needs to be in the playoffs at all, just based um, on what we saw last weekend? I thought there was good battles here and there, but I mean, not the, not the entire time. I, I don't... I don't know. I, I think I'd really have to sit down and kind of just really think about it. I don't really think so. I mean, I guess it just depends on the package because the way they were able to hold it wide open a decent amount, I'm just like, that's not, I don't really see a whole lot going on. But I mean, there were some decent battles, especially towards the end. It kind of got a little exciting, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I want to say no, but I'm not like 100% set on that no. Well, you know what I mean. Would it be safe to ask this instead of that? Not necessarily Texas is a bad track. There have been great moments in Texas history, but is it necess- is it ne- is it Texas or is it the 550 low horsepower high downforce package that NASCAR brings to the table at these intermediate tracks? I think it's the package itself. Yeah. I mean, the package itself it doesn't create to me it doesn't create racing. I mean, if you're going to bring something with high downforce and with this down, this high downforce package, you know, holding it wide open for the first ten or fifteen laps, or however long your tires can last before you start losing some of that wear. I mean, that's just that's just not really a lot of fun. All that comes down to is is whoever's got a just a fast car in general. It doesn't even have to. It kind of reminds me of like um, I almost can kind of compare it to like Formula One, saying you know people, 
you know, Mercedes clearly has a faster car than anybody else. And it comes down to just the car. Now, when it comes down to NASCAR, here you have high downforce. You can just hold it wide open the entire time. I'm going to expect those guys that have the faster cars every week to be the ones that are doing well. It just, I don't really feel that's really racing. If you can just hold it wide open the entire time where there's, there's no fun in that. No, it isn't. And you brought up a good point with formula one. When I was watching the race in Texas this past week and more specifically the cup race, I always saw was whoever was out front in the clean air had the advantage. So Kyle Larson leading the majority of the race, keeping his car out front, which is a contributing to the cars handling the driver's ability and the pit crew doing their jobs and keeping them up front. I saw nothing but a Formula One race. And yes, it did get interesting there at the end. It got interesting to the point where the restarts were jumbled. Everybody was trying to jockey for positions, which you see on the restart at any track you go to on the Cup Series schedule. But you see that, and, and well, what I saw was just Kyle Larson out front, maybe the, the driver in second place, whomever it may be at the time, was able to keep up with them for a little bit. But if you were racing, you were doing naturally what racing does. You're, you're drawing, the leaders are in line drawn away from them, and everybody else is falling two seconds back, two, three seconds back. It was just kind of not interesting for me. And and I get what NASCAR is trying to do with these downforce pack or these downforce packages and these packages where they want drivers to in comp- in competition to be closer because every NASCAR fan wants to see that close door to door action and NASCAR tries to make that happen. But when you get when you when that happens is it's never going to happen in my opinion. Those close door to door action stuff is going to happen very rarely throughout the course of a season and throughout the course of maybe five or six years, you haven't done once or twice. Yeah. You know, it's when, when also when I guess I really think about it, you know, you talk about how whoever's out in the lead, you know, it's like, you know, everybody kind of stays close, but they can't get to that leader. And, you know, I, I never really, maybe it just, you know, it goes, shoots over my head every single time, but thinking about it, this high downforce package, if you're the leader, you're punching that hole in the air. So you have the air working to your advantage to keep that car, keep the downforce on the car. But when it comes to you're in second and third and fourth and in the, you know, halfway through the field, if the leader is punching the air out, there's no other air around to keep everybody else's car down. And that's, it just comes down to whoever's out in front is out in front. I mean, it just, that's, that's all it, that's how I think I can kind of break it down is that there's no, if you're from second on back, once that leader's punched that hole through the air, yes, it's a high downforce package, but you don't have a lot of air to work with like the leader does. So, of course, the leader can stay out front the entire time, but everybody else doesn't have as much downforce. Therefore, they're not able to pretty much get to that leader the rest of the way. And I, I just, I don't like that. I mean, I, I understand NASCAR thinks that that's going to help, but it looked like it might have helped keeping the fuel kind of close together. But if you can't catch the leader, what's the point? Well, and I know Charlie's point on this because he's a big negative proponent. He does not like the low down for low horsepower, high down force package. And neither do I, I don't think it makes for great racing. Now, when you define great racing, I think it doesn't matter if you're going 200 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour. If the cars are somewhat equal, and that's what really NASCAR wants to do is try to keep as level of the playing field as possible, which is impossible. It's impossible to do because engineers are smart and they're always going to be two, three steps ahead of NASCAR, I think, regardless, whether it's aero or engine or you name it. That's what NASCAR does. But then when you have these drivers who are going in there and dominating like Kyle Larson is, like we saw Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick did last year, it doesn't necessarily take away from the show, but what it does is kind of creates a Formula One-esque thing to it. Kyle Larson's having a great year, yes. This is a kind of a comeback breakout season in NASCAR. He's doing great. But is there anyone out there who isn't a Kyle Larson fan happy that he's winning every week? If you're Rick Hendrick, you're ecstatic over the moon that you snagged this guy up before Aspire Motorsports drive car. You know what I mean? You're, right. you're ecstatic. 
But if you're not associated with the Hendrick stable, you're like, how can we beat these guys? Even if you're in the Hendrick stable, it's like, how do we beat our teammate? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the, 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 uh, well, I'm kind of digressing off of what I was trying to originally say here. The point is, with, with the interjection of the Gen 7 car, the introduction, I should say, of the Gen 7 car coming up here next year, they're going to have these same rule packages. They're going to have the low downforce, high horsepower, and low horsepower, high downforce package as well. NASCAR needs to keep it the same. Back in the early 2000s, you didn't hear about these rule packages trying to interject non-organic excitement into races. You were there just to see these cars whip around the track with 850, 900 horsepower engines. Because that was the whole point of it. Oh, we need, and then NASCAR said, oh, we need to start saving costs for the teams. Is it really up to NASCAR to determine the spending cap for a team? If you're Rick Hendrick, Joe Gibbs, Penske, the sky's the limit. But if you're anybody else, get sponsorship or form an alliance. And the guys from Blind Spotting NASCAR, I hate to bash on them. Their opinions were, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to pretty much keep dominating. Your Gibbs are going to keep dominating. Your Hendrick's going to keep dominating. It doesn't matter what package they have. But it's like if you keep it consistent, let's just say there's going to be no area for fans or critics or anybody to say, this is why the racing sucks at this track. Yeah, you know, those days are long and gone where we just had one straight run-of-the-mill package and that was it. I, I, those days were good, you know, because like you say, now with all of these different packages, now you have all these other smaller teams that are trying to adjust constantly. And we always have to hear every year about a list of races that are going to have this package or, or or at some, I mean, there was there was at one point, I think, where the package would change literally the week before the race. And then you're then you're left to scramble, trying to figure out, oh, you know, what are we going to do here? How are we going to do this? And you know, whatsoever. So it's, I, I wish that NASCAR would just come up with just a strict package, and that was it. You know, of course, we have to have maybe a different package for like a super speedway, but like for everything else, it should just be almost one. That's it. This is what it is, and that's what we're doing. It should. And and I remember back. I mean, I was the early two thousands. Or mid two thousands, one of the two. I can't remember the exact date offhand or the year offhand. But when NASCAR said, "Hey, no more engines just for qualifying. You're going to go to a single engine for um, the start of the weekend from the first practice till the end of the race. You're going to just have one engine. If you change engines, you're going to go to the back of the field. You're going to incur a penalty and go to the back of the field." And I remember the uproar about that. You know, yeah, they, the teams should be able to do that. But then after a while, it's just become. The engineers have built these engines to be almost bulletproof, with the exception of Joey Logano, which is the first major blown engine that I've seen in quite some time. Yeah. There at the Texas Motor Speedway. You know, since then, you don't really hear about the single engine package unless a driver replaces the engine and goes to the back of the field. But you keep hearing uproar, and I know I do, and I'm sure everybody else who follows any type of NASCAR fan page on social media about the 550 package. It's like it's been tried, and it to me it hasn't passed the test. Texas didn't pass the eye test. It wasn't gluing me to my seat, anticipating at the you know edge of my seat toward. I mean, towards the end, a lot of playoff drivers started getting affected by crashes. Truex, Hamlin, a lot of drivers started getting in trouble, and that kind of piqued my interest a little. But nothing really up front. It's like, well, there's really no battle for the lead. Mm-hmm. And we even saw that during the Xfinity race. Hemrick finished second, and I was behind John Hunter Nemechek. I was upset about that. It's like, well, two tires beats four tires. I've never really seen that happen before. But I think it's the product of the clean air and John Hunter Nemechek being a good driver. Plus, I wanted to see Hemrick win one race this season. And I think he's, <laughs> I think he might, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. But that was, that was pretty much it with that because, I mean, really the Texas race was unremarkable from start to finish, whether Xfinity or Cup. You know, you had the big, you had the big crash in the tech, in the Cup series race that took out a number of cars. That was a big wreck there on the backstretch when Bubba Wallace got loose and he's kicking himself hard for that one. But at the same time, I mean, that was about the only thing that happened. Other than that, it was just go, 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 debris caution, four tires for Larson, and he's back in front. You know, he, he did exactly what he needed to do. And I'm going to tell everybody this right now. I could see Kyle Larson 
winning Kansas, winning Barnesville, and winning Phoenix. He could do a complete sweep of this final stage in the playoffs and win, and win Phoenix. If Kyle Larson loses this year's championship, a lot of people are going to be questioning the format. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. If he, if he, if if, if Kyle Larson is able to get all the way, you know, well, he uh, he already is locked into Homestead, Phoenix. You're oh, taking Phoenix, it, you're taking it old Phoenix, school there, man. <laughs> I know. I miss homes. Honestly, I I feel like I feel like Homestead needs to be put back in place of Phoenix because Phoenix didn't really seem all that exciting to yeah, me last year lot, for the man. final race. But uh, well, anyways, yeah. you know, yeah, you're right. If 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 Kyle Larson does not wrap this thing up and take it at Phoenix. I agree. People will be questioning about this format. And I mean, even I, of course, you know, I still question the format. Sometimes I just feel like it just needs to be 10 races. And you know what, if you're there, you're there. And if you're not, well, I'm sorry. You know? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the beauty and the curse of these playoffs. You have 16 drivers who are arguably the best 16 drivers from that season, the winning you're in, but then you, go through the playoffs and people who you wouldn't expect to get knocked out of the first round, i.e. Kurt Busch, gets knocked out. You, you know, you got these drivers who are really good drivers who aren't necessarily in bad equipment, just not clicking it together. Right now, below the cut line is Joey Logano. Kyle Busch is right there on the cusp of the cut line. Chase Elliott's below the cut line. Truex and Kozlowski. You have... Two champ, two three championships, or no? You have all drivers in the cutoff line right now who have won a championship and not really in the position going into Kansas or Martinsville for that matter, being able to contend for a championship if their luck runs out. But then the only championship driver you have up there in the top four is Kyle Busch, and he's only eight points to the good from Chase Elliott. I mean, holy cow. I mean, this is both the good and the bad thing about these playoffs to me. And I know we've kind of talked about it in episodes past where these playoffs don't make sense, but then it's like, oh, but they're exciting. You know, it's it's such a catch-22 with these playoffs, and you want to see a good championship thing down to the end. And to your point, Phoenix is not the best place to do that. I think Homestead would be more suitable for that after they finish repaving and reconfiguring Atlanta, maybe Atlanta, Darlington, anywhere else but Phoenix. Phoenix has not ever been a fun race for me to watch. Folks, I wanted to take a quick moment here to tell everybody about Ramblin' About Racing's news store at Bonfire, where you could get your latest Ramblin' About Racing gear, such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and beanies. So everyone, whether you're at your local short track or at the track there for a NASCAR event, IndyCar, Formula One, that you are an avid listener of Ramblin' About Racing. Don't worry, we still have a store over there at Teespring under the stores tab at ramblingaboutracing.com where you can find your throwback in the marbles gear and new Rambling About Racing gear as well. But now you have other options that you can go to. And from now till the end of October, if you use discount code FALL21, you'll get 10% off whether it's at Teespring or at Bonfire. Links that will be in the podcast description. Go check out the store. Everything helps out rambling about racing. And heck, you look good in it as well. Go check them out. I've never really enjoyed it. I think it it. should change. I, I really honestly think that maybe the championship race should change every single season. I feel like every track should have a chance at hosting the championship race because then it kind of throws a wrench in the system, you know? Then you're not, you know, you guys just can't go and plan the playoffs and say, you know, if we make it to championship, oh, we're going to Homestead. Oh, well, then we know exactly what we're going to do here. You know, why not throw a wrench in there? Why not NASCAR say, you know, maybe we'll change it up every year. Every year we're going to go to a different track. Could you imagine a Daytona being the final a championship race if Daytona were to be the lead off the season and in the season, quote unquote, like not the regular season, but like the championship season? How cool would that be? I'm more thinking about instead of a Daytona, why not a Roval? The Roval has never produced a bad race, in my opinion. It has it, not. It, it really has not. When honestly. I went when I went there for the first race, didn't know what to expect. 
but saw an amazing finish when Jimmy Johnson spun and hit Truex and Blaney won. You, me, and Charlie, my dad, saw Chase Elliott hit the wall. It's like, well, he's done. Boss, he came back and won it in spectacular yeah. fashion. We've seen races in the rain there. But see, you could play that race rain or shine, and it wouldn't put a damper in the weekend. I think Trucks Expanding Cup would be a great show on the Roval for a championship season to put the the icing on the cake to what would be up to that point, I think, a good year. Or what they do after Martinsville, after the, the final race in the round of eight, all four drivers get together and the big wheel is spun and be like, that's where we're going. Get ready. Can you imagine <laughs> that? You have no time to prep, but like a couple, like your hallways are right up. Okay, where were we going? Oh, we're going yeah. to we're going to California, Sonoma. Get ready, we're racing there for a championship. How cool would that be? I yeah, uh, I I just I I really think that NASCAR switching it up every year would really, I think it would, I think fans would really like that. You know, it, we talk about how the playoffs have its pros and cons, and yeah, you know, you have this elimination style thing, but I mean, yeah, the pro is you know you can make you can get past the next round. You know, the cons are oh you got you know your driver could get eliminated easily. I, I don't know. I think I think NASCAR is going to have to continue to work on the playoffs as the years go on. I mean, we we've seen how the playoffs have changed over the years. You know, when NASCAR first came up with the idea of having that, you know, this whole ch- what it used to be called the chase, and it was just ten drivers, and then we got the twelve, and then we upped it to sixteen. And it's like holy crap! You know, let's put the whole field in while we're at it. I mean, I, I think. I think NASCAR will continue to work on playoffs, and I ho- and I think the one big thing for me would be maybe we just need to NASCAR needs to venture into looking to see maybe we could change it up every year because I'm gonna I'll beat the dead horse till it's dead and gone that Phoenix is not the place to do it at, and I, I just I, every switching it up every year I think would. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That proves if you're a championship driver or not. Throwing that wrench into the system, whether we go to the Roval and it's raining, if it's raining, well, I'm sorry. This is where you prove that you're a champion right here and there. Like you said, we're going to beat the dead horse and we can make a whole. I think that would be our mid or in the season review. And I hate to keep coming back to that. That's really the only negative thing that I have to say about NASCAR. Other than that, it's great. been a great season. It's been full of first time winners. It's been full of drama, whether it's Kyle or Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick going at it, which I don't think it's still over. I think we're, we're going to see that go all the way through for another couple of seasons till Kevin Harvick decides to retire. I think we're going to keep seeing um, Tyler Reddick and William Byron kind of battling out. I like that, though. Because I like Tyler Reddick. Tyler, Tyler Reddick's really good. Yeah, he did. And for the second, and I picked him to win the. The cup race on the guys with blind spotting, and he almost made me look good, and so did Daniel Hemrick. And that's why I was bummed, because the drivers I picked were running up front running well. And, of course, you're going to take the low-hanging fruit. If you bet against Cal Larson or Denny Hamlin at this point, I think you're crazy. Well, also, that uh, that Tyler Reddick paint scheme was looking mighty fine as well on TV. I must say, I got old-school vibes watching that. Well, I, tell you, <laughs> I, I, I will tell Richard Childress this straight up. Yeah, your grandson is your grandson, but he stinks behind the wheel of that car. He yeah, made, Tyler Reddick was looking made, really, really good. He was wheeling that car big time. And I re- loved it. And you remember two years ago when we first started doing this show, formerly known as In the Marbles, now rambling about racing, where I said, where I pulled up the stats for Daniel Hemrick and Austin Dillon, and I said, Austin Dillon's running better. Those would be at point like five positions better average or maybe a position or two at better average and he's getting the boot and Austin Dillon isn't Austin Dillon is a crummy race car driver what's he got going for him yeah Austin Dillon's not he just he doesn't seem to have that 
I mean, yeah, he might be a racer, you know, born and a bred racer, but he just doesn't seem like he has the. Um, he doesn't have the it factor. Whereas, yeah, the where, it or like maybe like he doesn't look like he shows a lot of passion to it. But like Tyler Reddick is out there, and I mean, you look like he Tyler Reddick to me definitely has got that it factor to him. I mean, he he looks like he wants to be out there. He wants to win whenever he gets a chance. And I mean, tell you what, he. He does what he can to see to try to win races, and you know, of course, him with his, you know, the whole debacle with him and William Byron at the Roval. I wish that Tyler Reddick wouldn't have just been like, "Yeah, you know, man, I'm sorry." I wish he would have been like, you know, "Hey, man, just because you're in the playoffs does not mean that I gotta race you easy." Yeah, I'm out here to win, just like everybody else. I wish he would have said that. And I think that's still a quote that you coined and a phrase that you coined that can go with any other driver in the field, a Matt Benedetto, a this point, Kevin Harvick, Chris Bell, Kurt Busch, William Byron, though he's not in the playoffs anymore. Neither is Reddick. No, you know, I mean, both of them are, both of them have missed the playoffs. So now they're just regular Joe's out there, but Austin Dillon, man, he has the same equipment as Tyler Reddick and he's running, I believe subpar than Tyler Reddick. Yeah, Tyler Reddick is definitely the the guy at RCR right now. Even though it's just a two car team, he is the, he is their guy right now. Yeah, I, I would rank him higher than Austin Dillon right now at this point. Well, I'm going to do a quick comparison here because you know how much I like stats. I used to be oh the, yeah the stack guy here. This season, the 2021 season, the average finish for Austin Dillon in that Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet is 14.6 with one top five and three DNFs. We go to Tyler Reddick here, who I believe he's doing a much better job. No DNFs, or I'm sorry, two DNFs, average finish of 14.5. So that's a little, that's two positions over than what Austin Dillon's finishing with three top fives and not necessarily the same amount of laps led, probably at Daytona, Talladega, Caution, or Green Flag Pit Stop Cycles, whatever. But he's, he's doing so much better than Austin Dillon, yet. If it came down to the chopping block, guess who's going to get the boot? More than likely, Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. And he's doing so much better. I think he's the future of RCR. Him, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, Chase, or Christopher Bell, all these drivers, Chase Elliott, you can even say, Cup and Cummins are going to take the places of the Kurt Bushes, the Kyle Bushes, the Kevin Harvicks, and all these drivers who just one day will go away just be based off of time. You go back and watch a race from 2003, and there are going to be make, there are going to be two drivers for sure in that race that are still racing now: Harvick and Kurt Busch. Other than that, everybody else is gone. Yeah, but that's just a change into the guard, and these guys are the future of the sport, I must say. But we're going to switch gears here now and go to Formula One, man. You looking forward to Circuit of the Americas this week for Formula One? I am very excited about Circuit of the Americas. I think I think it's going to be fun. The United States Grand Prix is always shown to be a a good race. I, I feel. I mean, you're coming in the season so far is just remarkable, remarkable when it comes to Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen battling for a championship, which is going to go down to Abu Dhabi. I hope it does, and I hope nothing crazy happens. I I hope these guys go out there and give it their all. And don't pull an Ayrton Senna, Alan Frost at Japan back in the 80s, where I think it was, if you watch the Senna documentary, it's on there, and correct me, and anybody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, where if it was one season where if Frost didn't win or didn't win or didn't finish, Senna would have become the champion. And on the first lap of the first turn, Senna takes Frost out and wins the championship. It's like, well, that's messed up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't want to see that. I don't think anybody else wants to see that either. Whether it's NASCAR, no. Formula One, Indy, you don't want to see the two championship drivers taking one take each other out just to secure a championship on the first lap. I want to see him go head-to-head all the way to Abu Dhabi, photo finish, the whole nine yards. And if Hamilton wins, he wins, man. What a well-fought battle. But I really want to see Max Verstappen win his first championship in Formula One. I think that would be yeah, great. Yeah, that, that would be very, very cool. You know, with the uh, Circuit of the Americas coming up this week, it's it's it feels really weird because I went on to the Formula One app to check start times for practices and qualifying and everything, and it's like it's weird watching a sport that you're so used to having to get up early to watch things or have to catch up on things, and it's like 
you go to race day and you see that instead of your usual waking up at like, you know, seven, eight o'clock, grabbing your morning coffee and watching the race, for me at least, or for us on the East Coast, now we're racing at like, I think the race time is like three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like, well, that's going to be kind of battling with trying to watch NASCAR at the same time. You make such a good argumentative point that I can't even dis- dispute you on that. <laughs> because, I mean, I want to watch both races. Yeah, you make a good I, point. I, I, I do too. On, on, on the 24th, and I'll just give you the schedule rundown right now. The October 24th is the Formula One race at 3 o'clock on ESPN. The Cup race from Kansas is at 3 o'clock on NBCSN. Wow. So I might have to bring down a TV and have a side-by-side thing. And you know what? I might just do that. The heck with it. I'm just going to do that. I'll probably what what I've found to do lately is that even if I miss NASCAR, they usually have the race on YouTube the very next day, like the whole thing. Like I went back and watched Texas all over again because I had missed bits and pieces of it. I either had to watch some and listen to some on the radio, which listening to the radio, I love doing all the time anyways, but I went back and watched some of that. But this is going to be pretty spot on too. I'll probably just be able to watch Formula One race and flip right over to the second half of the NASCAR race because usually Formula One race is pretty fast. So, and that that was another thing that I like to bring up about this past weekend with NASCAR, and I brought it up plenty of times before. But it's like NASCAR takes so long; they plan out for a TV for NASCAR to be on for so long, and then the race takes even longer because, you know, when Kyle Larson had won the race, the checkered flag came out this past weekend, and they were like, well, if you want to see everything else, the interview, blah, 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 this and that, we're switching over to, you know, whatever it was, the NBCSN Sports app or whatever it was. But it's like, dude, like, this should be like telling NASCAR, maybe your races are just a little too long, or maybe you're just not scheduling in the right time slot because I'm sure people that are watching on TV are like, well, I can't tune into the app that fast. What if they want to see interviews after the race? You know what I mean? Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the distance of the races. I think you need these 500-mile races in the Cup schedule. It's a staple of the Cup schedule, the Southern 500, Daytona 500. And I think a 500-mile race is a perfect length of time, and if done right, and which rarely is ever done because you have to count for red flags, maybe a weather delay, you know, you, just so many factors go into it. We've seen so many strange stuff, or at least I have in the 20 years I've been watching NASCAR. You know, fires, a car fire happened, blew smoke onto the track one year, and we had to put a yellow flag out. It's like, man, the track is smoky. You know, you just, or, or sandstorms in Las Vegas. Ah, uh, yeah, you that know, was a good one. You, I do remember you that know, one. You just have all these X factors, and to blame it on NASCAR for factors outside of their control, even on the track with competitors wrecking and causing a red flag, you, you can't put that on NASCAR. I think it's just a, if I was an executive for, NBCSN or NBC in general, Fox, you know, you get plus or minus like time above each one. And to blind spotting's point, and I think it was blind spotting or somebody I was talking to, I think it was blind spotting. They were saying, you know, they do a quick out for a NASCAR race. You know, hey, we have college football on. We got this going on. But I've never seen college football go say, hey, NASCAR is on. We got to get out of here fast. Right. It seems like NASCAR is always the the redheaded stepchild when it comes to that. And and I really can't blame NASCAR. You know, I think it's such a small select group of fans who really enjoy the sport. If you're a diehard fan of this sport, you know the interviews are important. But with the rise of social media and stuff, you could quickly pull up post race interviews on your phone from Bob Podcast, NBCSN, or Fox. Yeah, I think that right there it just shows that. And to be honest, I don't even you know. I don't even, NASCAR's go ahead. Probably not as popular in the United States as some people would think. You know, football, college football is definitely more popular. So let, I'll just say it real quick. You could you could compare it to other sports. So say like the difference between Formula One and NASCAR. With they're both done on a weekend, but with Formula One, you know, they're able to have more TV coverage on it because it's a very popular thing per se, over in the UK. You know, you have your hour lead up, you have the race, and then even sometimes they even have, like, dedicated, like, an hour right after the race as well. You know, here in the United States with NASCAR, you, ha- you NASCAR has to compete with other sports, per se, like football, whether it be on a Sunday, or college football when the Xfinity is racing on 
a Saturday. So I, yeah, maybe I, maybe I am missing, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, NASCAR is just not has to take a backseat to all these bigger sports here in the United States. I mean, I think that's all it comes down to. Well, what I also think it is, and I hate to kind of go down this road is that, you know, NASCAR is willing to bend and break a little, but you can't do it for other sports. Can't, been to break for it, but rare, rarely do you see anything come on before NASCAR races. It usually starts at noon, early afternoon, and then goes off the air and something else is on afterwards, such as a football game or what have you. But my thing is, going back to the post-race interviews and stuff, when I watch the race, the last thing I want to do is sit around and watch the interviews. It's like, okay, unless something happened with Chase Elliott or Kevin Harvick, yeah, I'll, I'll watch the post-race interviews there. But other than that, it's the same thing. Kyle Larson, how do you feel? Oh, it feels great winning at Texas. Hee-haw. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same thing. You know? <laughs> William Byron, what happened out there? Well, Tyler Reddick got into me and racing me aggressively, and it didn't really work out well. Tyler, what happened? Well, I just got in there too hot, hit the 24. I'm sorry about that. I'm still racing because and even though I'm not in the playoffs anymore. You know, what else do you want to hear from these drivers? Except if something else happens on track between drivers. When drivers rack, what do you want them to say? It's the same interview over and over again. Martin Truex Jr., what happened out there? Uh, just got loose in the corner, got hit from behind, and went into the wall. What do you want? Speaking of Martin Truex Jr., that was the, his interview after getting wrecked. I definitely didn't. I don't know. Maybe maybe I just had him played wrong, but I definitely didn't didn't think that he would come right on TV and just say, you know, just call out the mistake. Oh, well, I guess we just didn't clear him. You know, with Daniel Suarez over the weekend, because as soon as that wreck had happened, of course, the, all the guys on NBC or NBCSN, whatever the race was on again, they were all just automatically talking about, oh, well, Daniel Suarez isn't a playoff driver, so, you know, should he be racing Truex that hard? And it's like, well, come on, man. But, like, Truex was just like, you know, hey, we just didn't clear him. We It was just a mistake. And see, right you know? there, I think goes back to your point with Tyler Reddick saying that, or you saying that thing with Tyler Reddick a few weeks ago at the Roval. Just because you're in the playoffs doesn't mean I'm not going to race you. I mean, so what? You have a yellow, yellow, a yellow sticker on your window indicating that you're a playoff driver, and you think you're supposed to just have people not race you? Right. You're full of crap if you think that. Back to what I was saying. What are you going to? gain from listening to post-race interviews you're really gaining nothing a driver wrecks and you want to know what happened well we all saw what happened you're just going to get a first-hand account well i got loose hit the wall okay i like to thank my sponsors coca-cola whatever 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 i think it's just more of a sponsorship thing than it is a yeah you're right that it, is, it's that more is of a, a very good point I never really thought of it like that because you don't get that in, in well you do get that in formula one something happens and like you know what happened it's like, well, I just got in there too hot, and and I feel bad for whatever driver was involved, but you know, I just made a mistake. You don't hear him go. I'd like to thank Ferrari, blah 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 for all they do for the team. You don't hear that, but for NASCAR, no. it's more commercialized. You know, it's a good point to shove a mic in the face and at least get a main sponsor. Oh yeah, the Bass Pro Shop Toyota was running good all day. We just got caught up in a incident all while they're holding a coca-cola can that doesn't get drank out of right you know you just get that it's just not it's not even <laughs> practical to me so i don't even stick around and watch the post-race interviews because i saw what happened if you stick around for all the race you're gonna see what happened and people just sticking around and doing all that you're not gonna get anything from it at least i don't anymore now when i was start first starting out yeah i'd want to hear yeah, our car was loose, but then we made some adjustments in the pits and did that. It's like, well, what were the adjustments did they do? And, and I, you know, learn. But after 20 years of hearing the same regurgitated stuff, it's like, I don't need to know anything else from you. I think I'm wise enough in the sport where I could put two and two together and go, oh, well, Marnie Drexler and you got loose in the corner. He lost a lot of speed. Suarez hit him. Drex overcorrected into the wall. Okay, I, I saw that. And for commentators it's like i would have said the same thing oh yeah he just got a little loose overcorrected into the wall after he got bumped from behind by suarez who did nothing wrong why are we trying to manufacture drama and and suspense and stuff like no that's what happened mm -hmm. i completely agree with that but that's why i think so i don't even watch the post-race interviews so them switching over it's like whatever 
I got stuff I need to do anyway. Okay, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. You know, I don't. I need to. Uh, I need to. But, but man, uh, Cup and uh, Xfinity or Cup and Formula One race both starting at three o'clock. Formula One on ESPN and the Cup race from Kansas at on NBCSN on Saturday the twenty third of October at three p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. That's when you're going to get your Xfinity race. And in all three series, we'll be back for Martinsville. And I'm going to see real quick if there's a Formula One race after the United States Grand Prix. I think they're off for another two weeks. They're off for I another. Think they go to Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. So I think it's it'll be another two weeks. So they're going to start there, pretty much Western Hemisphere, Northern and Southern Hemisphere cut of that. Because after that, you have Brazil, and then they go back to Western Asia after that. But Man, Preston, that's about all we got for the show. You ready for our final thoughts this week in NASCAR and Driver of the Week? Yeah, man. All right, let's hit that. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at Ramblin' About Racing are a proud affiliate of. So if you head over to ramblinaboutracing.com under our Sponsors tab, there at the bottom, you'll see a link to Fanatics. It'll take you right to the NASCAR page where you can get all your latest and greatest driver gear, such as T-shirts, hoodies, diecasts, and much more. But it doesn't just stop. have to stop there. If you like Alabama Crimson Tide football, buy Alabama Crimson Tide football from there. If you like Washington Capitals, Washington Capitals has all their stores there as well. So head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under the Sponsor tab. Link is there at the bottom for Fanatics. All purchases will help out the Unhinged Sports Network bring you better content and more content for the future. Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap right here. Final thoughts here of wrapping it up on today's episode of Rambling About Racing. Going to start off with In the Marble 2.0 standings. And Preston, we've had a few shakeups here over the weekend after the Texas race. We have F- SMR R&D jump in ahead into first place over Matt Camper. SMR R&D having 6,149 points to Matt Camper's 6,113. And everything else is the same all the way down to you get to the fifth and sixth place where Charlie and I are racing. Charlie jumped me getting 5,607 points to my 5,554 points. So he jumped up a significant amount over the course of this past weekend. Apparently, I don't do stay on top of fantasy all that. But, yeah, Charlie. Did you forget to set your lineup? No, I set my lineup. I even picked, oh, Lars, okay. I picked Larson to win. And everything well, so did like I. That, and everything like that. I mean, if you pick not Larson to win, I feel like you're just leaving points on the table right there. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, he's uh, he jumped me by a significant amount. So much for that three, five-point gap. I need a... I have, what, three more weeks in order to get them, but, yeah, it looks like it's either going to be Matt Camper or SMR R&D for that $100 Amazon gift card here. Now we get to our Driver of the Week this week in NASCAR, my favorite part of the show. I like reading about these historical figures and moments in NASCAR, but Preston, you want to start or you want me to start? I'll start. All right, man, go ahead. So our Driver of the Week here on Ramblin' About Racing is James Roy Pascal Jr., otherwise known as Jim Pascal. Born in High Point, North Carolina on December the 5th of 1926, and he passed away on July 5th of 2004 at the age of 77 in Atlanta, Georgia. The cause of death was cancer. Some of his achievements, he was the 1964 and 1967 World 600 winner, or, you know, that's now known as the Coca-Cola 600, as we know it. His his career compromised of 421 races run over a 23-year span, with his best points finish coming in 1956, where he finished fifth in the points. His first race came in 1949 in Charlotte, and his last race came in 1972 at the World 600 in Charlotte as well. First win came in 1953 at Martinsville, and his last win in 1967 in what is called Montgomery Motor Speedway. Total of 25 wins, 230 top tens, and 12 pulls in his NASCAR Cup Series career. Something interesting, he says the most wins in Cup among drivers who are not in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and are eligible. James Roy Pascal Jr. is your driver of the week here, rambling about racing. 
it sounds to me that he's more deserving of the NASCAR Hall of Fame than I dare say Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. I'll say it. That was a great driver of the week this week here, Preston. But now for this week in NASCAR, we head back to the 1973 Winston Cup season, the final race of the 1973 season, October 21st to be more specific. David Pearson captures his 11th win in 18 starts of the season-ending race at the America 500 at Rockingham. Benny Parsons pits for repairs early after an early crash. The help of several teams allows him to get back into the race where Parsons finished 28th. Parsons holds on to win the NASCAR Winston Cup championship by 76.15 points over Kel Yarbrough. And that is your This weekend. NASCAR, October 21st, 1973. But what's crazy about that is you, you, I, I looked at the season stats and rundowns for it. Benny Parsons made 28 starts, had one win, 15 top fives, and 21 top tens. You go all the way down to David Pearson, who finished 13th overall in that season. He had 18 starts, 11 wins, 14 top fives, and 14 top tens. Can you imagine... How these history books would have been written if David Pearson, the Silver Fox, who's second all times in the wins list in the NASCAR history, ran every race with the Wood Brothers. I think he would be easily an eight-time champion with well oh, over yeah, absolutely. with well over 200 wins, making him the greatest NASCAR driver in history. Everybody talks about Richard Petty. or David Pearson, I think, was a better driver than Dale Earnhardt. He just ran a part-time schedule. I can only imagine what would have happened if he ran a full-time schedule. Ugh. But I, I think that would have been an interesting thing. But Preston, man, you have anything else before we wrap it up here? Thanks for joining us this week here at Ramblin' About Racing. For all those out there, thanks for listening. If you want to be a little interactive with the show, use hashtag WhatYouThinkITM and let us know what you think about what Preston and I talked about this episode. But Preston, you have anything else before we wrap it up? I do not. Well, Preston, if you have nothing else, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I'd like to thank everybody so much for tuning in to us this week here at Ramblin' About Racing. Make sure to head over to ramblinaboutracing.com for links to all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and to listen to any episode in our archives there. I'd like to thank our sponsors for the show, Stand Up to Cancer and Fanatics, for all they do, not only for the Unhinged Sports Network, but for us here at Ramblin' About Racing. I'd like to also thank Belly Up Sports for letting us be affiliated with them. And make sure to go check them out for all the latest and greatest football, hockey, baseball podcasts that are out there right now. Thanks again to Preston for being on the show. You can be reached at P underscore Luda on Twitter. Chuck8384 for Charlie, who is currently still at Drill Sergeant School. Myself, MBeamer22 on Twitter, if you want to chat with us on those social media platforms. For Preston Lude, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.